Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk today about trial by mercy. We have a trial by mercy. Whenever we are um, uh, go through tests and trials, they are mercy trials. We are being tried through God's mercy. <clears throat> At the end of it, we find that we've received much mercy. And so there's no reason for us to fear the testing of the Lord. Uh, testing has to come so that we can um, know where we stand, know what we have, what we believe must be tried. It really does. And I think that's <clears throat> going to be the defining um, point in Christianity is what did we do when we were tried? What did we do when we were tested? What did we do when we were opposed? What did we do when we were challenged? And so these things must happen because we live in a warfare zone all the time. This war has been going on uh, since uh, as far back as we can see in the Bible in heaven. It started there and it is a spiritual war. And so we have to realize that we are in the middle of it and it goes on. And it goes on until the Lord says it quits. And so Jesus has left us with some principles and guidelines to live by. Understanding of his word. He hasn't left us orphans. Uh, we have a family in heaven even uh, and in earth. Most of us if you are uh, have no earthly family you have heavenly family. <clears throat> so you need to hasten to the adoption center and get yourself adopted by the Lord because it's a good life that he's invited us into but we we need to understand that God has made full provision for us for everything that we need we're not without provision and so we we have to uh, um, <clears throat> at all times keep in mind that God is doing what he does for our good it's necessary that this be done and that God is not unkind to us. He is always merciful. So if we can keep mercy in mind in everything in our lives I think we'll, we'll do a lot better. I know a lot of times when you are obedient to God or you're committed to God you think you're earning your way by your good behavior. It's easy for your mind to flip over like that and think that... <clears throat> What you have, you have coming to you because of what you do. And that's true to a point. But God is still merciful. We have mercy on everything that we do. Because if you look back, it can be kind of interesting to find out all the help God gave us when we thought we were obeying on our own. You know what I'm saying? It's just shocking to see all the help that he's given us uh, in these different things. And so we, we have to really look at it and understand that he is a God. It's mercy that overrides everything that goes on in our lives. We have the, the <clears throat> outcome that we do because of his great mercy. We have access to him because of his great mercy. It's not our earning power. And it's not our our <clears throat> you know steadfast obedience all of that we're obedient because he supplies the ob- 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 obedient ability yes, right. <laughs> if there is such a word and so when we yield to him consistent yielding is what yields the fruit you got me consistent yielding to him it's not consistent good behavior it's consistent yielding 
which yields good behavior you got me and so it's he's the one behind every good thing that we do and so if we'll keep that in mind we'll understand and we'll appreciate more the mercy of God so we serve a God who keeps covenant and mercy he keeps covenant and mercy so we have a mercy covenant James 1 1 verse 2 tells us and we're familiar with this to count it all joy and I'll read it to you James 1 2 count it all joy when you fall into different temptations diverse temptations that means temptations not once or twice or you count them on one hand but there may be many of them okay knowing this that the trying of your faith so that's the reason for it to try your faith to try your faith yeah to see what quality it is you need to know God needs to know everybody needs the devil needs to know what your faith can do so you need to know it it works patience and in other words it gets the impulse out of you it gets the goofy thinking out of you it gets the magical thinking out of you <clears throat> but let patience have her perfect work or maturing work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing so you can have things your faith can bring in things but if you don't have the fruit to go with the things you're lacking something see uh, you can get results of your prayers but if you're still impatient for everything you're lacking something and so it looks like patience is a fruit that can be overlooked in its value it can be it's like the broccoli of the fruit of the spirit or the brussels sprout the one you push around on the plate and you don't ever order it on the menu when you have your choice you'll take the whipped potatoes with sour cream and chives and bake it on top but you don't want the broccoli well patience is like the broccoli of the fruit of the spirit or the asparagus it's something you don't you know people would say well don't pray for patience remember the old days all the superstition oh don't pray for patience you know well we found out we didn't have to pray for a lot of stuff that came to us anyway patience becomes your friend because you will need it so you don't lose your mind and so patience has a perfecting work on us and it kind of puts us a capper on your life you know what I'm saying you can have great things you can have uh, great possessions you can have great opportunities but if you're fidgety and you're you know you make more mistakes than you do go straight to the thing kind of thing it's because patience has not perfected you so that you have patience really kind of it, it to me it 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 kind of tends to give a person a different type of confidence 
a person who who uh, exudes patience, is patient and long-suffering in things, has a tendency to inspire confidence in other people. So like no other fruit of the Spirit, patience has an outward dignity. You understand what I'm saying? It kind of like gives you that finishing touch on your outfit. Say for instance you're going out, you got your accessories on, you're dressed to the teeth and you look in the mirror you say, you know something, I need something else to go with this. It's not quite finished. That's what patience does to you as a garment. It finishes off everything. So you look composed, you look uh, um, confident, you look dignified and that you project that to other people. Patience is a fruit that can be so projected to other people. They, they and it brings a trust uh, from you to others. They know they can trust you. If you're impulsive and you're all over the place and you're emotional and jumpy, people won't trust you very much. They won't ask you to pray for them. They're not going to, you know, give you you give advice. They just look at you funny. But patience will add to you that added touch that will will pull people toward you, give give you that confidence before people. And so patience only comes though through enduring trial. Otherwise, you wouldn't need it. So it comes and it it's a it's a dignity that God adds to your demeanor that covers all the tragedy, it covers all the wounds, it covers all the you got me? So you don't smell like smoke kind of thing. So patience covers up all of the, the, the difficulty and the struggle and all of that stuff that we've been through. It's, you, know, you don't have any uh, scars on your knuckles. You don't have any uh, wrinkles in your skin. All that kind of stuff. Because patience has caused a, a layer of dignity to come over so your wounds are healed. And all you have is a testimony and you have a good word and all that kind of stuff when patience has been employed as a fruit of the spirit in your life and so it's a wonderful thing folks to have that crowning of patience because you've been able to endure and God has approved of you this has little to do with what man thinks about you at all but this is something between you and God where he's told you he's satisfied it's well done (coughs) good and faithful servant I want you to uh, not only enter into my joy but I want you to gain a certain level of dignity and stature in the earth and among men that they will see and they know that they can trust you and that you've been with Jesus and so it's very very important to understand what patience is so he says you'll be whole and entire perfect and entire wanting nothing and if you lack wisdom let him ask of God now why would he put that in there because patience does bring wisdom patience will open the door for wisdom to come because while you're waiting on your deliverance or while you're walking through your trial or while you're uh, enduring so to speak most people seek God for understanding don't we we seek God for strategies we seek God for answers and so patience really can be thought of as your spiritual waiting room with God 
your spiritual uh, uh, <clears throat> time out, so to speak, not for bad behavior, but you know, a resting place where you can have fellowship with God, you can have an audience with God, you can have that time with God. You know, the time we always put off, and you know, God told me to get up at so and so and spend time with Him. We don't do it. Well, this it'll come. It'll come in the midst of a trial. It'll come because you'll be seeking wisdom. You'll be seeking answers. You'll be seeking understanding. And so you stop everything. If you can't go forward and do what you normally do, trust me, you will stop. You will let patience work on you. You will seek wisdom from God. You will do all of the above because you know that it's necessary for you to come out of it. It's necessary. You've got to have answers. You've got to have encouragement. You've got to have a lot of things that you don't have time to get when life is going so well for you. So you now you've got time to do it. And so he said if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives to all men liberally and he won't upbraid you. So in the midst of your trial, you don't get slapped around for what you did wrong to get you there. Amen. You get... Uh, you get <coughs> An opportunity to gain wisdom. And he says when you ask though. Ask in faith. Other than that you won't get it. Don't ask and have ideas in the back of your head. That you want to do as a plan B. That's not faith. You don't really trust in God. You want to quiz him to see if he's got anything better. Than what you've already got in mind. huh? Faith means that he's going to be your final answer. But he's going to be your only answer. He's going to be your final and your only answer when you ask in faith. And you only want his answer. That's what faith means. You don't want another answer. You only want God's answer. Another answer will not do. So you, And you're not going to do anything until you hear from him. And so James tells us to count it all joy. Amen. Just have a good laugh. Here I am again. What am I doing here? You know, that kind of stuff. Nothing's a tragedy, folks. Come on now. It, it just We take ourselves way too seriously sometimes. You know, it's your little life and what you're doing. And, you know, you want to have 15 fainting spells and call 17 doctors and get somebody to hold your hand while you're laying on the couch forget it uh just count it all joy okay there's nothing to it but joy when you add it all up it comes to joy why because you're going to get something good out of it in the end you can rejoice in the beginning of a trial because you're focused on the end result that's how people get through folks they don't get through that's how faith gets you through things Faith focuses on the end result, not the steps in between. If you focus on the steps in between, you'll never get to the end. You'll always be going through something and you'll never see the end of it. I can remember when when we were having a house built. My my husband and I were having a house built and um it just seemed like everything, every day it was something different. You know, you you want it built and you can't wait till they break ground. When they break ground, you see that hole in the ground for two weeks and you start getting nervous. When are they going to put our house up? Oh, you got to call somebody. Around. It's just constantly watching, calling, watching, calling. 
you think you want to get your choice about things until you got to pick out every doorknob and every piece of molding, every paint color, every I'm done with that. You've been there, done that. You understand? It seems exciting. And so I remember thinking to myself, and I told my husband, I said, are we ever going to be, and he would see that look on my face. He said, just wait. He said, in a couple of months, we're going to be sitting down laughing and enjoying our new house. And that's what I had to do to get me through. Focus on what's at the end of it, not the steps in between. If you focus on the steps in between, you will get stuck there. And if you take on an attitude, a negative attitude about it, you take on anything but joy about it, you will be stuck there and when the process is over, you'll be stuck with that attitude. You won't enjoy it even when it's done. You won't enjoy life even when you come out of the trial. Because you get stuck in the attitude of this is so hard. Why is this happening to me? What did I do wrong? When is this going to be over? Instead of counting it all joy. You can count it all joy. You can count it all joy. I was able to do that as a new Christian. I wasn't even in a church. I was just reading my Bible and looking at some Christian television. I was too nervous to go to church. You know, I'd go to church and somebody would jump around or get too loud and I'd be right out the door again. I sat by the back door so I didn't have to jump over people to get out of there. You understand what I'm saying? And so I learned how to laugh at a lot of things. I, I, at first it was a tragedy. I couldn't do what I usually did. God, I, I had a job. I used to do this. I used to do that. And I would sit and spend hours lamenting. And then one day I thought to myself, I said, well, I can't do it, God. What am I going to do? And so I, I would find things to do. I'd go and, and dust the house 15 times and laugh. You know, I said, oh boy, here I am dusting this house again. Give me something else to do, God. Okay, I'm done here. And so I learned to count it all joy. I heard, learned how to laugh at my lack of ability to do things and find God in it. Well, God, if all I can do is sit here and read my Bible, I'll just sit here and read my Bible. I'll be a Bible reader. Then when I got enough courage to, there was a church two doors down from me. And they would offer a little community, you know, projects and stuff. And there was a lady there who taught calligraphy. And that's where I learned to to be a calligrapher. And I would write my favorite scriptures all day long. Different fonts, practicing all day long. I had scriptures on everything. And I liked them. Some I liked, some I didn't like. I liked this one better. And I would write out reams. Some of the stuff I still have. Those little placemats we have for the children. I did those by hand. Do you understand? This was before you could get all this stuff on a computer. But it kept me plugged into God. Plugged into joy. I learned how to laugh at where I was. You know, well, Barb, see if you can get out of the house today and uh, uh, go down the flight of stairs without running back upstairs again. And so I took it a flight at a time. If I had to run back, I ran back and I decided, well, tomorrow I'll try it again. And I go back out again. Can I sit in the car? Can I turn on the ignition? Can I back the car out? Can I go around the block? Can I? Do you understand me? Now, most people say, well, why was she like that? I don't know. 
I tried to figure it out. I, I finally realized I didn't have to know why anything. All I had to do was find my way out of it and God told me I could get a way out of it. So I learned to count it all joy. I learned how to laugh at here I was thinking it was such a tragedy for somebody with a good education to be scared to go out of the house. You got me? Used to be able to do a job where people looked to me to help them. And now I had to have help. So I learned how to count it all joy, folks. You, do, you can't do anything but that. If you're going to come up with the right answer and you're going to come out uh, successful, you're going to come out prosperous, you're going to come out victorious, you're going to obey the Bible and count it all joy. So I learned how to laugh at where I was. Everybody else was feeling bad for me. I felt bad for me at first, but then I learned how to count it all joy. And pretty soon I didn't have to deal with people's, you know, they mean well, but you know, when they feel sorry for you, that means they can't do anything for you. And so I realized that I only needed God's help. And I could trust God. He would bring the right people in, in my life at the right times. He would help me with the different things that I needed to have help with. And pretty soon I was able to get functional again. But I didn't run. I crawled. You got me? Some people have to crawl. You got me? So let them crawl. Don't kick them while they're crawling. Let them crawl. You got me? And so they, they just, that's, that's just the way it is. And so encourage them. To get up and run. You understand what I'm saying? You encourage them. But while they're crawling, they want to get up and run. You understand me? Most people do. Normal people do. So anyway. <clears throat> How'd I get over there? But James, Jesus said in John 16.33. He promised us trouble in the world. And that trouble is comes to us in the form of a trial by mercy. That's the only trouble we get is a trial by mercy. You got to go through it. You have to go through it. But he tells us to be of good cheer. See, here's that count it all joy. Be of good cheer. Same thing. Why? Because he's overcome the world. And the greater one lives in us. And so the greater one is able to give us the power to endure, give us the power to rebuke, give us the power to defeat, give us the power to overcome. He empowers us. So whatever we need, whether we need endurance, because whatever it is, isn't moving as fast as we'd like it to move. Or we're not getting wisdom to move on to the next level. Whatever it is, he is there with us to empower us to do these things. Sometimes you just need the power to stay still and know that he's God. Instead of trying to find all your answers all the time, moving around, doing this, doing that, trying to create something. You know, I think I see an open door. Everybody wants an open door. And scared to go through them. (laughs) But we just want to know God's out there opening doors. (laughs) Really, he opens doors for ready people, folks. He opens doors for ready people. Sometimes we aren't as ready as we think we are. So we have a mercy covenant. We're to be of good cheer. 
and counted all joy in the midst of trouble in the midst of trials why because that joy really is like an armor that comes upon us that is able to deflect now think if you counted all joy you're operating in faith and the bible says that faith in warfare is a shield that's able to quench quench the fiery darts in other words you don't feel the fire you ever have somebody say something really nasty to you and it like bounced off of you you felt that come near you and it had no effect that's what that is it's a shield it's a shield of faith sometimes God will pour it on us sovereignly and sometimes it will come on just because you're you're obeying God see those things won't hurt us they won't hinder us they won't uh, stop us from going forward because that that shield is there for us so faith when we count it all joy and then joy is an overcomer's joy really means that you don't stop and consider what's going on you got me joy keeps you in a position of already having overcome that you're living in a realm as though it's done already and there's no problem there and so when you when you count it all joy joy is for the overcomer and the victor there's joy when you come and count the spoils there's joy when you come and take what's yours there's joy in rejoicing because of of what you the spoils that you get when you've overcome well when you put joy on at the beginning you're already living in the state that you would be in if this thing were over that's faith and that's your insulation against the fiery darts of that's your insulation joy is your insulation see there are people who go through in fear and fear causes trouble to stick to you like a magnet it's just true folks you don't know what's going to happen you oh lord what's going on dread all that kind of stuff it causes trouble to stick to you like a magnet so not only do you have to go through difficulty you got to wear it everywhere you go Oh, that's why people come to church with long face and upset about something and can't get in the, the right mental attitude for prayer or for worship or receiving the word because they're, they're, whatever it is that they have experienced in life is, is not what they want and they don't know how to come over it they don't know how to overcome it sometimes it's just normal life that gets people down it's not any big deal it's not any big trial it's just things that happen that happen to everybody but people somehow wear that on them because they don't know that there's a place they can reside in in faith in God to rise above it you can live as though it's already accomplished that's what God wants us that's how he wants us to live so that's why he tells us to count it all joy when you add it all up it's joy it all adds up to joy and so if we will do that we will understand how important it is as overcomers to wear that fruit of joy and to partake of joy during the trial so what does the word mercy mean mercy really means a compassionate or kindly forbearance 
So that's what God does. He forbears with us in a compassionate and a kindly way. He doesn't just put up with us and have a bad attitude toward us. He's not done with us. He's not through with us. He's not sick of us. So it's a compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person under one's power. So you have the power to not be merciful. You have the power to not forbear. You have the power to not be kind or kindly dispositioned toward this person. But you choose to be kindly dispositioned to them. That's what mercy is. That's why it's important for us to understand mercy in God's mind and in his heart. His mercy endures forever. In other words, mercy will be there the longest. Huh? It'll be there the longest. So he never runs out of mercy. He's never short on mercy. He's never just tired of us and won't give us mercy. He's always merciful the Bible says. He's ever merciful and lendeth. That means that he's willing to give mercy over to us. It means compassion or benevolence. Mercy is also the discretionary power of a judge to pardon someone or to mitigate punishment. So God knows how to deliver the righteous out of trouble is what the word says. He knows how to do that. It's not like he's letting you stew for no reason. And if you count it all joy you're not really stewing. You just don't have what you want when you want it. That's pretty much what it amounts to. You don't have the freedom to backslide. You don't have the freedom to go off on anybody. You don't have the freedom to, you understand what I'm saying? To get in the flesh and get stupid. That's all it is. It's a restraint. It's a godly restraint to keep us in the will of God, in the perfect will of God, so we can be blessed. He does it all with the idea, the end result is to bless us. And to increase us and to do us good. And to show us more at our latter end than at the beginning. And so these trials are necessary. What does a trial do? A trial really proves things in several different realms. And we turn to Job chapter 1 so you can see that. So often this word trial gets people all, it's like quiz when you were in the third grade. Pop quiz. Huh? Right. And teacher never wanted you to know when the quiz was coming. Teachers don't do that just to be mean. Now I know some of them don't smile very much. But the purpose of a quiz is not so that they can flunk you. The purpose of a quiz, number one, if they don't tell you when it's coming, they quiz you so that they make sure that you're keeping up with your work assignment. You know, they don't want you to get behind. They want you to be uh, consistent. They want you to, to succeed. They want you to have every good thing that you want out of life and you won't get it if you don't have these 
testings of your ability and your knowledge and all of that kind of stuff. So these things must be tested in order for you to know that you've learned something. Jesus said take my yoke upon me you and learn of me. So we learn of Jesus in the doing of things. We hook up with him. We yoke up with him. We walk together with him. And as we walk with him he counsels us. He communes with us. He teaches us. He helps us. He helps us to learn how to be Christ like in this earth. And there's no greater calling than the call of Christ to a human being in this earth. So in the book of Job in chapter 1 you see what what trial really really what the test really is all about. In uh, Job chapter 1 and I think it's starting in verse 8. Job's Satan went up before God. The Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth. A perfect and upright man one who fears God and hates evil. Now first of all unless God can say that about you you will not be tested by him. Read that. God has told Job already and told Satan already about Job that he's going to come through it. He will come through it. He will come through it. The only reason you go through testing is not to fail, not to flunk out, not to expose how little scripture you know or how weak you are or let you make you a laughing stock in front of people. But it's because God knows you'll come through it. How does he know you'll come through it? Because he's your helper. He's your helper. And he knows you know enough of how to hold on to him. And if you don't, you eventually will will get the hint. <laughs> you got me? You eventually figure it out. Everybody does. See, this is not hard. This is not complicated. This is not abuse on God's part. This is not God not wanting you to have things. So let's get those goofy ideas out of our minds. But he told Satan, he said, this servant of mine, Job, have you considered him? In other words, there's a consideration that is made when God chooses our trials for us. There's a consideration made. This consideration uh, goes along several lines. Number one, the consideration is to expose our weakness. When you had a test in school, the ones that you got wrong, if you were smart, you studied them harder. You were mad because you missed one, but if you get over your emotions and learn how to find out, get some wisdom, what was this for? This quiz was not to expose me and make fun of me and then I have the lowest grade in class. I'm telling you if people would get over themselves and quit relating their life in God to to carnal things that we've experienced in the past I think we could grow a little bit. Because the test of God is not to make you look bad. 
It's not to expose you. It's not to show show people that you don't have faith or whatever it is goes through people's minds. You know, the devil sit on your shoulder. God will be trying to bless you and get you to see how strong your faith is and how he can make it greater. When you come out of this and, and all the wonderful things that he's promised you, you'll be able to do them now because you've come through this. He's trying to get you to focus on his wisdom in it. And sometimes all we think about is what we look like to other people. What are they going to say if I tell them I've been praying all these years and I don't have it yet? What are people going to say? What are they going to say when, when, when they find out that I don't really want that? I said I want it but I don't really want it anymore. What are they going to say? What are they going to say? You know, all of this nonsense that goes through our heads because we fail to see how important it is. Many people get older and they'll finally look back after 40 years. I wish I'd spent more time in my studies when I had a chance to. I wish I'd spent more time learning because that lack of learning, lack of applying myself has hurt me throughout my entire life. You got me? God doesn't want us to be lamenting things when we get old or too old to do them. He wants us to get that wisdom in the now and get that confidence in him in the now and get our faith straightened out in the now so that we can go forward and conquer in this life and not wait until we're old and and retired and wish we had spent more time in school. You got me? And so these are the things that God wants us to be able to conquer in this place where what that's why the test that's why he tests us that's why he tries us that's why he allows the devil to take his best shot sometimes but it's all done in mercy the devil can't kill you he can't steal from you he can't rob from you but if you never know that you have the ability to overcome his taunts and his words and his pokings and proddings then you'll never be able to confront him successfully so God wants us to be able to confront him successfully I see people running away from things they're afraid of all their Christian life when God will bring to you what you fear, number one. First off, listen, I was a, a, a Christian at home, not even in a church. And I read in Revelation where it says the fearful will be thrown over in the lake of fire. And I got convicted. I said, God, I can't be scared anymore. If you tell me it's wrong to be scared, help me get rid of this fear. And the first thing God did was to bring things that, were, that I was afraid of to my face over, 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 over. No rest. You got me? No rest. You know why? Because if you rest too long, you ever see in, in a boxing match, how long do they let them stay 10 minutes in that corner in between? No, we get to get it on. If you can, you got something, you better bring it. And you better bring it over and over and over again very quickly. Because we don't have all day to let you rest and read a magazine and drink a Coke and have half of a hamburger before we get this fight over with. You get up, you get a little refreshing in the corner, you get up and you fight again. And that's it. And that's what God does to us. He will not allow his children to bow down to the devil through fear. He won't have it. He won't have no devil worshipers in his house. And if you continually avoid things because you are afraid of them, God is going to keep bringing it to you. Bring it. That is not going to go away anywhere. 
I don't care what it is. It's not going anywhere. You're going to have to confront that fear because he knows you're well able to overcome it. The generation that died in the wilderness, all they had to do was confront the fear. They didn't have to die. But they, any, any one of them could have sided with Joshua and Caleb any day and survived and lived. Because there was enough faith among them to believe God that they were well able to overcome. No foe will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. There was enough faith there for them to be able to take that side and believe God. There's enough faith in God's body all the time for us to be able to take that side and believe God. Some of the people that were laughed at in other churches because they wanted their marriages reconciled. When you came here you found a refuge. Because people wouldn't laugh at you. for. I believe if it's in the Bible you can believe God for anything you want to. Who am I to stand in your way? And we'll get down there with you in the trenches and believe with you for things that you want from God. Come on now. So he will make us confront that fear. Job said himself the thing that he feared greatly came upon him. God made him face it. Huh? Oh you mean to tell me? Yeah. All his kids died. All his stuff died. God was, Job was scared of losing his stuff. He said that himself. Hello? Where is that in the end, Job? Somebody find it for me. The thing that I feared greatly has come upon me. It's his confession. He knew it. We had to face that thing. That seems like hard beans. But whatever it seems like to you. It's a lesson to you. Don't be scared of this stuff. See you won't have to go through what Job went through. If you just let that fear go. Confront it when it's small things. See if Job had confronted fear when in its baby stage. Before he accumulated so much. It wouldn't have been an enemy to him toward the end but what did God do with him in the end he restored everything because he had a trial by mercy there's mercy all over this trial that Job's in well he had boils and he was he wasn't too sick he sat there and ran his mouth with his friends the whole time he was on that bed he wasn't in a coma hello come on folks now if you're scared of this you need to read it again there's mercy all over the trial that Job was in. All over it. Those friends of Job's were just reflecting ideas that he had in his head. That's how the devil does you. He'll come to you with all these goofy ideas and all these uh, wayward thoughts etc. etc. To see if he can distract you from where God wants you to go. You found it? Okay, all right. So it comes up real early in the book. <clears throat> Joe three twenty five. He begins complaining to Joe, uh, to God in in chapter three, and he confesses. He says, "For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me." So you have to confront fear either on the front side, or on the back side. 
Because if you fear something, fear is something is, is very, very akin to worship. God says, I will not have any other gods before me. So when you fear uh, 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 women who fear their husbands, you know, you get some goofy guy that's jealous and wants to beat up all the other guys when they're, you're dating, you think it's cute. But you don't realize he's just an angry person. And he turns that anger on you once you get married to him. Now you, you fear him. Well, many women take a beating because they're uh, fearful. See, whatever you're afraid of, is is your Lord. Go get you something you don't have to be afraid. You got me? And I, <laughs> I don't mean that in a natural sense, but that works too. Huh? <laughs> I can remember a neighbor. Everybody's got one of them neighbors in the old neighborhood. Her husband, she was scared of her husband and she went and got a loaded twenty five and ain't seen him since. You got me? So she got something that took care of that fear. But she won't go sit up and get beat up every night no more. You understand me? You come out of your your worship of that person. You got me? You don't let them lord it all over you anymore. You get something they fear more than they fear you. Same thing if you get saved. They fear God when you get the Holy Ghost. And they won't hit you. Elizabeth Pruitt married some goofy guy. She was like a chronic backslider when she was in the church. She was raised in the church. Her mother was a minister. And she was one of those, you know, kind of like self-spoiled, rebellious preacher's kids. I think her mother had a little bit of streak of that in her, you know. You, you, you get that from your parents a lot. You know what I'm saying, folks. You get it from, you glean it through there so our parents have to be careful you godly parents you, you know you say things in front of your kids you know you shouldn't say you need to tell them that that was wrong mommy said that wrong daddy said that wrong that wasn't right i shouldn't god that's not what god wants us to do that's not how he wants us to live and i don't want you to do it that kind of thing you can you can straighten that out you don't have to be a perfect person but you have to really teach them the ways of god and so she kind of you know was rebellious and got to the place where she married an unbeliever and she liked to fight she said that she would they would go out to bars and stuff and they'd get home and she'd beat him up he'd beat her up and she said that she went to the doctor once and and had always gotten prayer they were pentecostal people you know pentecostal people pray for everything and uh she had always gotten prayer when she was sick she went to the doctor and thought she'd get a shot of penicillin and she died in the doctor's office was allergic highly allergic to penicillin and god met her and and talked to her and she told god she was sorry and she repented and she was going to Go back and serve him. Well God healed her and brought her out of that. When she got home she realized she's still married to this husband that liked to fight all the time. And she said that she would talk to him. Try to talk to him. She was back in the church serving God. And it was hell for her. You got me? Sometimes the bed that you made for yourself you have to live in it for a while. You got to get wisdom to get your way out of it. And so she said that she knew that God didn't want her to divorce this man. She prayed for him earnestly to get saved. But she said that there were times when he would try to hit her and he would tell her to 
stay still. And then later after he got saved he said you know I couldn't hit you because I saw three heads. He said you, you had three heads and I didn't know which one to swing at. Huh? That's God's protection folks. See she didn't have it before because she was rebellious herself and backslidden. But once she came back to the Lord she had the full protection of God against these things. You don't have to be afraid. If there's somebody you're afraid of and they're lording it all over you. God will make you confront that fear and stare it down and make it bow so that you serve him. You can't be afraid of man and God too. And you certainly can't be afraid of the devil and serve God. Can't be afraid of anything and serve God. Whatever it is you're scared of, he's going to bring it to you. He's going to make you confront it. Just like Joshua did with the, the uh, young, young men, the fighting men. When they would subdue those kings, he made them come and stick their foot on their necks. Take the fear out of them. Fear is a horrible thing. To have it lording over your life. You don't want that. You don't want to be afraid of anything. You want to have confidence in God. If God tells you to do something. You can't let fear stand in the way of you doing it. If he promises you something. You can't let fear stand in the way of you you going forward in the promise of God. So anyway. In Job we see. What he feared greatly came upon him. But. God restored him. He brought him through. See, if you don't stop in the middle of the trial, you see yourself getting through it over to the other side, you'll make it. You want to stop in the middle and start to lament and start to cry? You know, there's a life you can pick up right in the middle of trouble. You can make your camp right in the middle of it and never move forward in anything. All you have to do is get distracted by something that you let grab your attention and you won't let go of it. Hmm? In the, uh, I think it's Joel. He talks about multitudes in the valley of decision. That's where most people, that's as far as many people get, is deciding what they're going to do about their fear. Turn to Joel 3. Joel 3. It's interesting how we can ask God for things and the minute something pops up opposite of it or any kind of trouble we're ready to go hide, we're ready to go cry. (laughs) Joel chapter 3 and verse 14 he says and this is time for harvest verse 13 put you in the sickle for the harvest is ripe come get you down for the press is full and it's a time of rejoicing but then he sees all these people not going for the the promised harvest and he said multitudes multitudes in the valley of of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision in other words just make the decision to go on with God because the day of the Lord God's delivering you out of this now You don't have to stay in the valley of decision forever. You don't have to keep mulling in your mind which what should I do first? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I should I should I huh? The way we do. Because of fear. So we have to stay I mean when we're in the valley of decision, we can see right beyond that place the harvest of God. 
you can see the promise of God right beyond that decision place where you're at. But many people choose to put their camp there because they fear going anywhere. What you need to do when you have to make a decision is you can't entertain any thoughts other than God's word. You can't afford to. Because if you do you will make the wrong decision. You'll stay there even longer. You'll have even more indecision. Harvest will come but if you're stuck in the valley of decision you won't partake of it. You won't partake of what God has for you. The valley of decision can quickly become the valley of victims if you make the wrong decision. You'll wonder how I got here. What did I do wrong? Somebody's not treating me right. Well if it weren't for so and so and such and such I wouldn't be here. See all of those thoughts are wrong thoughts to have when you have to make a decision. All you have to do is decide to choose God's way. You need the wisdom of God. Like James says if you lack wisdom ask God gives it to you liberally. He won't upbraid you. He's waiting for you to ask him what to do. But you better have the courage to do it. You can't file that away with all the other weird ideas that came to you. When God's idea comes he'll let you know it's him and then he expects you to operate in that decision. He expects you to to move in that decision. So it will become a victim's valley really quickly if we don't make the decision to go on with God and to quickly obey God. How do we respond to trials? Most people start with unbelief or shock. There's something in a Christian's carnal mind and in in our pride that makes us think that we either are immune to bad news. We can't have anything come and, and test us. We can't have any trouble. So in our pride we start to wonder what did we do to make this happen and then we wish we could undo it. Well you can't stay there. God is having you make a decision to move with him and get beyond this valley that you've kind of sunk yourself into. A valley is a a low place. But you can hear from God there. You can make decisions. You take your time out. You get a chance to get your facts together and you make a decision. You decide which way God wants you to go in this thing. Unbelief and shock will come to you. The first thing Christians think is this shouldn't be happening to me. We think we're immune. And that's one of the reasons you're there. Because all of this pride and you know thinking we're above certain things. God has to get that off of us. You've got you to realize this happens to good and bad people. It's happening to you. Now what do you do? You can't stay there in this uh, uh, denial. You know. That's all it is. You're you're living in a place of denial. Where you've already made up your mind. That nothing bad can ever happen to me. Because I live right. Because I do this right. Because I do that right. Because I mm, shouldn't happen to me. And you've got to accept and embrace that trial. You can't just stay there in unbelief. Because many people do reside there. 
They firmly believe that this is unfair. It's not right. And they stay in that place of judging their circumstances instead of humbling themselves to their circumstances. You've got to humble yourself to your circumstances. You've got to realize this is happening to me. And how did I get there? It doesn't matter. But God, I need your wisdom to come out of this thing. I need your wisdom to go every day if this thing goes on for a while. If it's prolonged for a while, I still need your wisdom. I need to cling to you even more. So we still somehow believe certain things should not happen to us. I don't care who you are. We can all live in that little bubble of no pestilence should come nigh my door. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we start warding off everything evil and all that kind of stuff because we we just don't we think of a trial in the wrong way. You never think of it as accomplishing something in you. You always think of it as some kind of punishment for something or something unfair that's happening in your life. You have to get a healthy biblical perspective of what a trial is. Because if you don't, you'll stay in that valley of decision fighting it off like it's not supposed to happen to you. That's real. You're not going to win that. You're not going to win that. And many people get stuck there and they backslide because they come up with the decision that something's not right with God. They do. See that's why they don't serve him anymore. Because they've they've judged him as bad instead of good. Because they have to endure something that they don't want to endure. They judge God as bad. And you, I don't care what you think, you can't go there. You can think you're bad and you can beat up on yourself all you want to. But once you've made God your enemy, you're way over in the wrong. Bad things happened to Jesus and he was without sin. Didn't they? Didn't they? We have an enemy out there. And he'll confront us. And God will let him confront us. So we can prove what we've got on the inside of us. See we can talk faith all we want to. But the proof of faith is the, is the fruit in your life. See? Proof of, and it's not material things. I can get a gun and go get me some material things. You understand me? It has nothing to do with anything. But it has to do with the fruit in your life. And the fruit that God has ordained for you to produce. That's what your faith is there for. It's to produce what God put in your life to produce. So that's the, the some of the proof of your faith. You understand me? But this has nothing to do with proving your faith based on what's in your life. This has to do with proving your faith based on what God has ordained for your life. You don't know what's coming ahead for you. You don't know what God is ordaining for you to do in the next three years, five years, ten years. You you have no clue. And so God is working a level of faith in us where we are now based on not only what we need for ourselves but what the kingdom needs in the future. Remember that? Sometimes when you're in a trial you get so personal minded you forget to be kingdom minded. What does God need you to do? What's God expecting out of you? What's God expecting? You know it will shock you. Some of the things that we do without thinking they are big decisions for some people. 
You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes if you say for instance you hear somebody sick and you immediately think to pray for them. That's a big decision for some people. Oh does God want them well? Or what do they do? And who is it? And what do you, you understand me? You understand me? So it's not like we know everything that we're going to need our faith tested for. You have no clue. And so you have to trust God. He knows what he's got planned for your life. He knows what's facing you next week. He knows what's facing you tomorrow. And you need to know what your faith can do. And he needs to too. And you need to get the devils off of you. You understand me? So we need to have these times where we we are stretched so that we know that our faith will hold and we know what it will do. So so um, <clears throat> Jesus had to trust the Father's mercy and continue to obey him just like we do until he had completed God's will. And that's what we need to do. When you're in the valley of decision, you have to make the decision to shake off everything that's not of God. You shake off denial, unbelief, pride. This shouldn't happen to me. Why is this happening to me? You see, Job had very little, very little opportunity for that. You understand what I'm saying? He just had time to confront all of the enemies. These people that came and talked to him every day and challenged his righteousness that's really what they were doing he had to to confront that over and over and over again that's all we do in a trial we confront all of these things that challenge our righteousness your pride is a challenge to your righteousness your wrong thinking about what a trial really is all about challenges your righteousness. You get to get a right perspective about life and who you are in it. Yeah, you're important to God, but what's more important is that you trust him in all things. You're no good to him if you don't trust him in all things. Well, I trust God. Well, you're going to have a chance to prove it. You're going to have a big chance to prove it when you go through the things that he has ordained for us to go through. One of the things that we get cleaned up in our attitude is our our um, attitude about trials when we see other people going through them. See, when you go through, it's a totally different perspective. Huh? You saw sister so and so going through. Well, see, that's she. That's what the reason she going through. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had all kind of answers for her, didn't you? Yeah. What you got for yourself now, huh? You just as confused as she was when she was going through, huh? So where's all your big answers now? The way to get through a trial is to show compassion to others when they're in trial. Hmm? You have it built up in you where you understand God's mercy and you have a greater confidence that He will get you through victoriously. Greater confidence. Instead of having a disdain for people going through trial, you should try and identify with them and show them mercy. Many times we judge people when they go through trials. You can't judge them. You don't know what's wrong with them or what they did and, and that's what they get. Would you say that about you? Would you say that about your children? Huh? You wouldn't say that. And so whatever you are thinking about somebody else, you need to repent. Don't let it come out of your mouth and don't let it bear fruit. Can't be judgmental towards people. 
some things are obvious you know if they you saw them when they were doing it and you thought to yourself if they don't quit something bad's gonna happen well it happened but God will mercifully get them through just like he will mercifully get you through so we got to cut the judgment off and begin to show mercy learn how to intercede for people and learn how to help when they are in difficulty because God will often call you to help people when they're in difficulty if he don't call you don't go don't interfere the faster you make the decision to count it all joy and follow God the easier it will be for you to get through the difficult times you have to make the decision to count it all joy and follow the Lord you can't follow him in discouragement depression he don't have a trail of that for you to step into he only has mercy and joy he only has the fruit of the spirit for us to walk in when you're in a trial you have to stop this what's fair and what's not fair you have to stop trying to weigh everything in your false balances Bible says a false scale is an abomination to God he wants he wants to be the righteous judge he's the only one who can judge righteousness there's no blame in the valley of decision you can't blame anybody and you can't look back you can't it won't help you if you start accumulating these attitudes you will find yourself camped there and you won't move forward because the valley of decision can be like an amusement park to people who are victims you know they just well I think I'll go on this ride for a little bit you know you go on the blame ride for about six turns or you go on the uh, uh, you know woe is me ride for six turns and, and that kind of stuff it can be an amusement park for people who don't want to get the courage to go forward who don't decide to go forward somehow figuring out what it's about is more important to people than getting victory see when you say the word victory that brings a response in all of us there's a reaction there your flesh reacts because you think to yourself oh boy you know what I'm saying it'll set up a little fear on the inside of you so it's just easier to play around at Cedar Point you know and, and take your little rides and go splash in the pool and you know go go good in the you know the victim place and all of this it's easier to stay there than it is to come out well that's for people who don't have any hope you know if you were with Dr. Phil or somebody like that you could stay there and play there because there's nothing else for you even Dr. Phil will tell you to get up and do something different you know do anything different but many times we think that that's the best place for us and as long as we can feel that we're not guilty we're fine you shake that off for a minute and then you walk away from it but pretty soon it's right back there facing you again anything but confront the problem anything but get over the fear anything but ask God for wisdom we don't want to go to God because we think he's going to blame us just like we blame us and so you don't want that when you have to confront things and going through a trial you you don't want to go to God because you're not sure what he's going to say 
And so you need to get more in your word when you're in difficult situations. You need to find it in the word for yourself. Let God minister to you through the word. And not so much listening for a voice. That word is your safeguard. It's your way of being led and and guided into the right answer. That's how you get your wisdom. It's through the word of God. So when you're having difficult times you're in the word more than than when you have good times. You know it's, it's good if you can get in there and get all your rejoicing scriptures together. But there are times when you really need to seek God for wisdom for coming out. You don't want to have wisdom. You don't want to ask for patience so you can stay. And you know people say well just pray for me for strength strength you know to do what huh what do you want to be strong for maybe you don't need strength maybe you need to just get in the word and get wisdom you got me and come out of this thing and so many times in the valley of decision we stay too long it takes you too long to decide to throw the punch Mm -hmm. that's all you need to do Decide to grab your scripture, hit the devil, confess the word, and expect God to lead you out of difficulty. Even if it doesn't happen all at one time, you expect God to bring you out, folks. And you're looking to come out. And you see the promise at the other end. You get understanding of why this is necessary to a degree. But more than anything, you want to know the next step to make so that you can come out of this trial. Paul was tried. He had very brief periods of rest from a trial. Now if he got out of one he was right into another one. Because he expected that there would be that backlash for preaching the gospel. Our problem as believers is we don't expect any backlash. But we're learning. See we're seeing you know because of of, uh, um, mass communication now we're seeing what happens when certain kinds of enemies are around Christians. What happens to them when they speak up for God. And so we're getting a glimpse of what it really means to have to uh, have a trial of our faith, our confidence in God are serving God when that irritates people when that upsets people what what does that really mean for us if we were to get into a place where we're told we have to marry same sex couples and we refuse to do it what's that going to do for us you understand it's getting closer and closer folks and so we have to understand how to joyfully go through these stressful or stresses on our spirit our spirit man uh, so that we can be stretched into the image of Christ and be able to make it through in victory not just managing to get through on a one little fragment of the boat you know a little sliver but to come in everything intact nothing missing nothing broken and know that we won't be uh, damaged because of it. Know that we'll be able to be more than victorious through these things. That you'll be whole and entire. Lacking nothing. 
You know, when we have difficulty, we we should be able to look and say, well, you know what, devil? Uh, I'm going to look so much stronger when I come through this. Oh, you've done it now. You're in trouble now. You understand what I'm saying? We should be able to understand at the outset and to rejoice in it, count it all joy, and to even welcome these things happening. Because we understand fully what it means. It's all prescribed in the word of God. We've got to quit being wimpy Christians. We've got to quit being afraid of everything. We've got to quit being less than who God called us to be. We've got to learn how to step up the, to the plate and be what God's called us to be. And so when when you're in the valley of decision, you have to stay away from certain things. You can't go to the amusement park in there. You know, the blaming and and not wanting to be responsible for anything. You know, it's a valley of irresponsibility if we want it to be. It's also a valley of lies. You can pick up lies from the enemy and believe those. You know, oh, they're just doing that because they're jealous of you. Or, uh, you know, they're persecuting you because you're a Christian. Well, that may be part of it, but some of it might be stuff that God wants to work out of you. You know? And so you, you can't keep that pride up and all that kind of nonsense if you're going to make it through. So the distractions are there to keep you busy and keep you too busy to obey God. Instead of confronting what you need to confront, the enemy will give you little jobs to do. Little things that don't really mean anything. Things that keep you busy. Things that, that will keep you occupied so that you won't be able to make that decision and do the will of God. You may find out that people that shunned you all of a sudden want to be around you. And you have to be careful about stuff like that because they can provide a major distraction and prolong your trial because you don't make the decision to go forward and follow God. You may just decide you like it in the valley. Uh And you don't see the opportunity to make a decision to obey and follow God anymore. Or you'll decide that whatever you did to get you in trouble was the wrong decision after all. And that's when you really lose. Because you'll decide that, oh, well that must have been wrong because look at all the trouble that's come to me since I decided to do that. You see? And so we have to be careful, folks, in 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 trials that God gives us to test our faith. You be like Job. You just stay connected. You endure. I'm sure he knew when one friend after another came by and tried to accuse him and pull him off track. That he was on the verge of losing everything. But then God showed up sovereignly for Job. Because God decided it was time. It's time for this to be over Job. So it's I'm rescuing you now out of this trial. You understand how you got here. You understood it in chapter 3. But you had to go through these different options of either staying here or coming out. And you made the right choice to come out. And that's what we've got to decide. We've got to decide you're going to stay with God. You're not going to quit. You're not going to backslide. You're not going to let the devil talk you out of going forward. You're not going to let him talk you out of pressing into God for what you really want. But you're going to stay with it and go forward in it because God has your back. He's got your front and he sees you like he saw Job in the beginning he saw him coming out of this thing have you considered my servant he hates evil 
He's not going to serve you and he's not going to curse me to my face. But he's going to stay faithful to me and he's going to serve me and endure it and be blessed out of it. All right, we can stop. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding of your word. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with your word. This word is a blessing to us. It's a help to us. It helps us to conquer. It helps us to overcome. It helps us to do everything that we need to do and be blessed in it and be blessed out of it. And so we thank you Lord for blessing us in all things in Jesus name. Amen and praise God. If anybody 